Everybody can hear me? Good. Uh, it's good to be here uh, this morning. It's already been a wonderful time of worship uh, together and being able to have Sunday school together and just being able to just wake up this morning and because uh, God allowed us to and we get to come together to hear his word um, and just to worship together and be around other believers and sometimes we it's, we tend to take that for granted sometimes, just being around another believer, because this world um, is dark. Um, so when we see another light, uh, we should recognize it, be thankful, uh, be encouraged by that. Um, this, uh, this morning, I would just like to talk about uh, the armor of God. It, it'll be Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Um, what started out is going all the way through the full armor of God. Um, as I studied and, um, and just looked at the scripture, I started to realize it was more so turning into the importance of putting on the armor of God um, and how vital that is to our Christian walk um, because we, we, we have to have it. Um, we absolutely have to have this armor that God has given us uh, as believers. So I'm just going to read verses 10 uh, through 17, chapter 6. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, with which, you were, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Uh, let's uh, just first pray. Uh, Father, thank you for another opportunity uh, to come together to hear your truths, Lord. We just ask that you open our ears, open our eyes and our hearts to see what you have for us, Lord. We just ask that you are able to show us our vital need for the armor that you've given us as Christians and to put it on and to walk in it so we can live a victorious Christian life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Um, so 
I'm, I'm going to spend a little while here, but it says, finally, my brethren. So Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, so this is God speaking to us. It says, finally, my brethren, uh, be strong in the Lord. So when he says, finally, what that means is that he has said other things throughout the book of Ephesians to lead up to this point of, uh, to talk about why we will need this armor of God. Um, there's things we need to understand. There's things that we need to see um, about God before we can see our need for the armor of God. The first three chapters of Ephesians talks about who we are in Christ, what Christ has done for us, and how glorious it is to be a believer spiritually. Um, it's amazing. The last three chapters, which there's only six chapters, talks about what that looks like practically as we walk it out, as we live our Christian walk. There's practical ways uh, that we are to live, and these last three chapters explain that. Um, so, before, so before we can see our need for the armor of God, for the battles, we must know and believe in the one who has won the war, which is Jesus. Um, I'm just going to give a brief analogy, um, and I, I hope this makes sense. But in 2018, Alabama uh, played for the national championship against Georgia. And I remember watching that game live. I wasn't at the game, but watching it on TV live, that would have been nice. But I was watching it, and I was worried to death the whole game. It was a miserable experience to watch this football game as it was unfolding because nothing good was happening. Uh, there was drop passes, fumbles. We didn't score a single point in the first half. It just looked, it just looked terrible. It looked like there was no hope for this football game. And then towards the end of the game, somehow we make it into overtime. Um, in overtime, we. Uh, the other team kicks a field goal, so we either need a field goal or a touchdown uh, to either tie to keep the game going, or we need a touchdown for the win. Um, first play of overtime for us, 16-yard sack, and you're thinking, ah, man, here, you know, here we go. Probably not looking good. If you know anything about field goals in Alabama, it's just not good. So we're thinking at this point, the best thing that can happen is we can get in position for a long field goal. And then sure enough, uh, after the 16-yard sack, the very next play, Tua throws a frozen rope down the left side of the field, touchdown, walk-off, national championship. Amazing. At Roll Tide, everybody goes crazy. It's phenomenal if you're an Alabama football fan. It was great. But that game was miserable watching it up until the very end. It was terrible. But now, and I've done this a few times, uh, I've watched the replay of that football game. And now when I watch the replay, it doesn't matter what happens in that football game. It doesn't matter that we fumble here, we throw a late interception, uh, that our quarterback does absolutely nothing for us the entire first half. We actually have zero points. Um, it, it just, matter of fact, I'm sort of hoping crazier things happen in the game because I know what's going to happen at the end now. I know who's going to win. So as I'm watching these things unfold in these circumstances and what looks like something that is just detrimental to the battle that I'm watching, 
I have a peace about it. Um, I, I'm not. I'm not mad about it. I'm not. I just I, the circumstances and how I view them have changed, and they've changed only because I know who wins every single time. Every time I know who wins, no matter what I go up against. Um, and and that's what we have in Jesus. Now, comparing a football game um, to the war for your soul, um, there's no comparison to that. It, I'm just using football as a brief analogy. But there is a war that is going on for souls. Um, and we have that as believers in Jesus that he's already won that war. We will face battles as believers. It is going to happen. But in Jesus, in who he is and what he's done for us, we have victory. And we know who's won the war. So as we see these battles, um, it changes how we view them. So uh, a, the spiritual war talked about in God's word is, is actually the only war that will ever matter. Uh, I hope we know that, that there's one war that, will, that has taken place, and it is the only war that will ever matter. Um, Charles Spurgeon says, Consider how precious a soul must be when both God and the devil are after it. Jesus says in Matthew 16, 26, For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul, or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Um, what that's saying is you can take the entire world and everything in it, and it will not equal the value of one soul. Um, you, you can't, and you won't be able to barter your way with God when you stand before him on judgment day, because there's nothing to barter with. If you can't take the whole world and give it to him in exchange for your soul, then you have nothing that you can possibly offer uh, God. That's how valuable a soul is. Jesus says in Matthew 10, 28, And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell, which that's God. But the good news is God offers us a way out. Um, I got a text just as I was actually studying for this from a, a pastor who I'm in a, a text group with, and he says, nowhere other than looking at himself in the mirror of the cross can a man better understand how much his soul is worth. Um, in this spiritual war talked about in God's word, there are only two sides you can be on. There's the side that is headed to heaven, and then there is the side that is headed to hell. There is no purgatory. Uh, there is no middle ground uh, for your soul. There is, there's two sides uh, that your soul can be on. I would just like to look at chapter 2 uh, in Ephesians, and I believe that this part of Scripture does a wonderful job of showing a contrast between dark and light which this is part of what Paul's going through before he gets up to showing us our need for the armor of God. It says, And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. So what we see there is who were dead in trespasses and sins. Uh, it doesn't take an art of war um, 
major or someone who studies war or been through many of wars to understand that dead people do not need armor. The armor is for those who have been made alive in Christ. Um, dead people have no need for armor. So who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we were all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. So I, I can't speak for everybody here today. I know some were saved at a very young age. Um, I know some um, were in a, a darker spot than most others. Um, there, you know, there's people's testimonies where they're, you know, they have heroin needles sticking out of their arms, and you know, they're on a back alley, they're near death, and you know, they're they're converted and they they believe upon Jesus and you know, and they're saved. And so I can't speak to where everybody was at when, they're, when they were saved um, and how long they walked with this prince of the power of the air. But I know personally I walked for 32 years with the prince of the power of the air. I, I was a, by nature, I was a children of wrath. Um, you could have said, hey, Kyle, uh, you and that girl broke up. How are you going to get over her? Well, I'm going to try to go out and find other women, uh, and that's how you get over relationships, right? Like, duh. Like, ain't that what we do? Um, hey, Kyle, uh, what you going to do this weekend? Well, same thing I do every weekend. I, I'm going to try to get as high and as drunk as I possibly can. Like, what else is there to do in this small town? I mean, ha have we heard that before? Uh, it's a small town. There's nothing to do. Um, uh, hey Kyle, the guy at work, he's, he's talking about you. Like he's got nothing good to say about you. He, he's talking a lot of trash. What are you going to do about it? Well, I'm going to, if I'm bigger than him, I'm going to call him out in front of everybody and I'm going to challenge him to the fight. Nobody gets away with nothing like that talking about me or I'm going to at least try to mentally terrorize the person. I mean, nobody's getting one over on me. Not everybody find out about it. No way. Not Kyle. Um, and that same guy, the same guy, you could have asked, hey, Kyle, when you, when you get up before God, what's going to happen? And that, that same guy would have said, well, if there is a God, if there is a heaven, I'm going to get in because I'm a good person. So, so what you see here and what I can look back in on my life, I can see I was doing nothing but working for the prince of the power of the air. I was spewing his lies. I had, my mind was only focused on desiring the things of the flesh. I only wanted those things, and by nature, that was who I was, walking in accordance to the things of the world. It, it's, it's darkness, uh, dead in my trespasses and sins. But then it turns right around, and it gets so good. In verse 4, it says, just like the song we just sang, but God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And raised us up together 
and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Praise God that Jesus, the, the war we find ourselves in, there's two sides, and Jesus has won the war at the cross. Um, I love how Colossians chapter 2, 13 and 14 put this. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, that's saying you have no new heart, you have no spirit, you were dead. He has made you alive together with him, having forgiven all your trespasses, forgiven all your sins. It doesn't say just the ones in the past. It doesn't say the ones in the future or the ones current. It says all of your trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. He has taken it out of the way. It doesn't say that he's moved it out of the way. It doesn't say that he's holding it somewhere else so he can bring it up on you later. It says he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Jesus has won the war for us at Calvary. On the cross, Jesus took the punishment for our sins so we could be forgiven and go free. He rose from the dead three days later, conquering death, hell, and the grave so we can be made alive in Christ. In those days when someone was hung on a cross, they would take a list and they would write down all the things that person did wrong, all the reasons they were hung on the cross, and they would nail it to the cross it says, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, taken it out of the way, nailed it to the cross. Jesus takes a list of everything we will ever do wrong, and he nails it to the cross so we can be forgiven. Wiped clean is our slate for all of eternity. The war that we face, that is important, the only war that is important, Jesus won. We have to see that before we can see the battles. Um, I love the next verse in Colossians chapter 2, 13 through 14, which this would be 15. Um, I'm really good at math, but it's chapter 2, Verse 15, it goes right along, <laughs> it goes right along with chapter 6 in Ephesians. Not only did Jesus pay the payment for our sins on the cross, it says, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. He disarmed principalities and powers. Now, he didn't get rid of them because that's coming in a future time. There will come a time when all principalities, powers, Satan, they will be cast into the lake of hell. It hasn't happened yet. But it says he disarmed them. 
So not only do we have victory over sin for all of eternity, in our daily battles, he has given us now power over sin. We can have it now in our daily battles because Jesus disarmed them. Um, so, so as we go back to chapter 6, um, it says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That word wiles means devious or manipulative things of the devil. But we have to act. Uh, to put on something is an action. Uh, we're saved by the grace of God, but it's also the grace of God. He gives us the power to overcome the enemy in our daily lives. And the power of God is in this armor we will talk about. Uh, first, we must know and believe that the devil and his demons are real. God's word has much to say about our enemy. The devil just wishes that the only armor we bring to the battle is a t-shirt that says, Not today, Satan. It's, I'm not knocking anybody if they have that t-shirt. I know a lot of people have the t-shirt, Not today, Satan. As if we can walk our Christian lives and we can just kind of throw up a stiff arm like, not today, Satan. Not today, Satan. You know, and that's somehow going to spiritually feed us through these dark battles we will face as Christians. It's just, it's not biblical, and it's not going to happen. Um, the devil, so I'm going to give some explanations of uh, what the Word of God says about the devil. Well, 1 John 3, 8 says he's a sinner. Uh, Revelations 12, 9 says he's a deceiver. John 8, 44 says he's a murderer and a liar. Revelations 12, 10 says he's an accuser of the brethren. He can make you feel condemned. 1 John 5, 19 says he is the wicked one. Um, John 10, 10 says he's a thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Verse 12 speaks to there being a levels of evil and a type of hierarchy of demons to carry out Satan's evil schemes. Um, he's more powerful than us. He's smarter than us. He knows the Bible uh, enough to quote it three times in an attempt to deceive even Jesus. He wants to destroy your witness, steal your joy, and render you useless to serving in God's kingdom. He wants to ru ruin every relationship you have. He wants to ruin your family and he wants to ruin your marriage. Uh, Pastor Israel has spent the last few weeks um, preaching on the marriage and the family and what that looks like for a Christian family and how um, if it starts in the home, it can ch you can go on to change the world, but it has to start in our home. We have to start living this out practically in our homes, um, and it has to come by being spirit-filled. Um, you must be alive in Christ to be spirit-filled, and that's how it has to happen in the home. Um, he's done a wonderful job of that the past few weeks. Um, but Satan is out to destroy the marriage. Um, the day we got saved, the war was won, but we were thrusted into this spiritual battle with the enemy. It's vital for our walk that we understand and don't try to hide and put our heads in the sand and act like there's not a spiritual war going on, um, because it is going on. But it's also important that we understand there's victory 
um, in this armor. Um, it's a joy to walk with Christ, to watch him fight your battles for you as you walk obediently. It is fantastic. Um, and it just encourages you. It strengthens your faith. He, he starts to do things that only he can do. He's opening doors only he can open. You, you just sit back, and sometimes he does things throughout the week, and they don't hit you till a week later, and you're like, God did that. I prayed for that, and I didn't see it, but I see it now, Lord. Thank you. Um, I remember when I, I first got saved, Brother Kevin Merritt prayed over me. And I will never forget this ever as, as long, um, hopefully in, in eternity, I'm still thinking about it. But he prayed over me and he said, Lord, be with him as these things come against him. And I just remember, I, I'm a brand new Christian. And I just remember looking up and thinking, what's he talking about? Like, what's about to happen? You know, like I just had this brief moment, like, what's he talking about here? So I just went on back, you know, let him keep on praying. And then I, I didn't know, though, the things that would come against me, like that little fish when you're watching the chosen, chosen, and it's just going in one direction. They're all going in one direction. All of a sudden, one just turns around. The other ones keep going in the same direction. One just turns around. All the people in your life, all the people you've hung out with, all the 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 normal things that you found normal for yourself that changed and you no longer wanted those things and, and your desires change, the world comes against you in a dark way. So as I started to walk and, and fail and be prideful and arrogant, things that still happen, and I just refuse to do things God's way and, and it's my flesh, that does that, and then that allows a foothold for the devil, um, and, and then he comes in and starts doing his work, and you find yourself in these dark battles and these things that you you can't you don't you can't see your way out of. I think back on that prayer. That man knew. That man has seen these battles. Praise God! I'm not alone. There are people who are walking this with me. And they have been through these battles before. Praise God for God's people <laughs> because they've been there. So we should always be pray, praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ because we're all going through these dark battles and these things that come against us just because we want to live for the Lord, just because we want to live for the only one who is good. And it's just, it's sickening to people. Like, it, and, and trust me, I try, I try not to get mad because, man, I was there. No one was more there than me, like, ah, whatever about all that, you know. So we got to have grace, but sometimes it's just like, I need my brothers and sisters in Christ. I need somebody who's been there and who has went through this darkness with me that can pray for me and encourage me and strengthen me. And guess what? That's what the Bible says we need. Um, and it's true. Um, it's, it's also just a blessing. Um, we don't always see it this way. I know I don't. But just the fact we can see a battle is a blessing. It means that we're on the right team. <laughs> it, it means that there's a battle. I can see it. But it also means I can win it. You, you can't win a battle you can't see. 
But if you're looking at it and you see it and, you, and the word of God says it's going to happen and then he tells you how to avoid it, it's like, praise God. He's seen the battle too. <laughs> um, that's a blessing. Um, Tony Evans says, you know, and, and this is true. It ain't just because Tony Evans says it, but it, it makes a lot of sense. We shouldn't fear the devil or his demons. Um, you don't want to never acknowledge him but you don't want to give him more credit than he deserves. 1 John 4, 4 says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Praise God for that. And I always think of Brother Israel walking through the house at night <laughs> and getting scared and being like, He that is in me is greater than he that is in the, in the world. But <laughs> It's true. It's so true. And praise God for that. Don't ever forget that, no matter how dark it gets. Um, uh, things Satan cannot do. He, he can influence our decisions, but he can't make us do anything. Um, the devil made me do it. It's not an excuse. It's not biblical. You can't go around saying, oh, that was definitely the devil. It wasn't me because that's just not biblical, it's not true, that, and you should feel comfort as a Christian. He can't make you do anything. Um, it's because we have more battles than just the devil. Uh, it's when you're walking in the flesh, does the enemy gain a foothold in your life? We have more problems than just the devil and his demons. We live in a world that opposes God, and we, even as Christians, still deal with this old, fleshly, sinful nature that we must be dying to daily. Um, just like Brother Roy talked about this morning. Um, he did a wonderful job. It's when we are walking in the flesh that the schemes of the enemy become effective in our lives. Uh, Galatians 5.25 says, If you live by the Spirit, also walk in the Spirit. That's telling me we have a choice. Um, you can wake up and you can walk in the flesh you can walk up and you can wake up and you can choose God, choose his ways, and you can walk with him in the spirit, um, having victory over these things. Um, so I knew I wouldn't get too close. All right. So verse 12, for we do not wrestle, wrestle. I don't know why I say it like I'm from the woods. I guess I am. But for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. One of the most important things we can ever understand as a Christian, um, and it's a daily reminder, is that people, God loves everybody. He wants us as Christians to show that same love to everyone we meet. And not just everyone we meet, everyone we live with, everyone that's in our family, um, everyone we work with. I'm thinking right now, of, I'm just, man, you know, I better start loving them. Um, but it's true because if you, you have to understand that's not your battle. To, whatever they did to you, no matter how bad they were to you, no matter how much they talked about you, I won't get into too far details because I know people do terrible, terrible things. 
But you have to understand when you hold grudges, when you hold unforgiveness, when you hate people, it is a spiritual battle. And you're losing it. If you, if you ain't looking at someone other than how God views them and loves them, you're losing a spiritual battle. And what happens is it robs you of your peace, of walking with the Lord. Um, that's what happens in a spiritual battle. It doesn't matter what they do on a daily basis. We have to love people. And it's not, and also not just, um, what's the word? Tolerate. You know, sometimes it's like, you know, I'm a Christian. I'll just tolerate them. Um, you can't just tolerate because that's, that's not an action. Love them. As hard it is, as it is, love them. And then watch God work in their lives. Blow their minds. Don't, like, fake it, you know, and just hug them and seem ungenuine. But look, watch God work and look for opportunities to show that person love and watch him break that stony heart. Watch them, watch them wonder, what is going on? What is this? Is this, is this Christianity? Is this, is this God, you know, in this person's life? Because that's how he works. But we have to see that it's, it's a spiritual battle, and the enemy plants those lies. The enemy wants you to hate people. The enemy wants you to talk about people and, and make fun of people and, you know, and pick fights with people. Man, that's what he wants God wants you to love them. Um, I'm just going to run through um, the practical ways of, of the armor of God, um, and I'm going to try to do it uh, quickly. Uh, just praise God we have armor that comes in his power um, so we can stand. We can have victory in our daily battles, um, but it must be achieved in God's word, what he says, and in his power. Philippians 4.13 we all know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Romans 8.37, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Towards the end of the Lord's prayer, it says, lead me not in temptation, but deliver me from evil, because thine is the kingdom, the power. There it is, the power, the glory. Amen. Um, we have the belt of truth. Um, the first piece listed, I don't think it's an accident um, because without this piece, we are lost and we have no hope against the schemes of the devil. Uh, John 14, 6 says, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. None come to the Father but by me. So Jesus is the truth. Um, faith in Jesus, the truth, is where the war is won, but it is also where our battles begin. Uh, we must believe God's word is the truth. Uh, the breastplate of righteousness, um, this can be viewed two ways, and it should be viewed two ways. Um, there's the righteousness in which there is the doctrine of substitution. Um, when, when God is going to look at us on Judgment Day as believers because of our faith in Jesus, he's not going to look at us in all of our sin. He is going to look at us as if we lived Jesus' perfect life. That is fantastic news. That Jesus lived a perfect life so we can be accredited his righteousness on Judgment Day and we can live with that peace. Um, because when Jesus was on the cross, God looked at him as if he lived our sinful life. 
And then he took our punishment. He took our place. Therefore, we have his righteousness as Christians, and we can walk in that. We are in his righteousness no matter what. That should just make you want to go live for the Lord, not do whatever you want because I got his righteousness. Um, Matthew 5, 6 says, which Brother Israel just mentioned, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Um, there's a sense of our own righteousness we should be pursuing. We should be pursuing a holy life that in and of ourselves, our own holy life, that don't get, I think sometimes we, we miss that, that we should be pursuing our own righteousness just because it's good to live for the Lord. And he blesses us is what it says when we hunger and thirst for righteousness. Um, when we don't, when we live in unrepented and unconfessed sin um, in our lives, we develop cracks and chinks in the armor, making us very vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy. He will once again steal our joy. He hurts our witness and he renders us useless for the work of the Lord. And Lord help us if that doesn't bother us. Um, shot our feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Um, this is the piece of armor. Um, the fact we need to make sure we are saved is not what it's talking about because uh, Paul is talking to believers. First um, Peter 3.15 says, Always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. When you are prepared to share the gospel, you have slipped your feet into the, this piece of armor and you're ready to spread the true peace. Should I? We're, we're good. Okay, sorry. Um, <laughs> above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. That's a bold statement. In God's word, you will be able to. All the fiery darts. Hebrews eleven six says, Without faith it is impossible to please God. And that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Um, as we enter into the kingdom by faith, we also advance our growth by faith. The same faith that saves us is the same faith we have to believe the whole word and apply it to our lives. Colossians 2.6 says, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. You have received by faith, you walk by faith, and you fight by faith. It says you will be able to quench all the fiery darts. So what are the fiery darts? It's evil influences, temptations to hatred, temptations to greed, to envy, to doubt, to anger, to worldliness, to pride, to self-pity, to immorality. He did not give us cheap plastic armor. He gave us armor that has been crafted by the power of God. Uh, we have to believe that. We have to have that faith because it says you will be able to quench all the fiery darts. Um, it's not saying that it will always happen, but it is saying, God is saying, if you will put this armor on, I got you. Um, that's comforting, and, and we, we have to have that faith. The helmet of salvation, once again, uh, it's not talking about these people needed to be saved because Paul uh, has already told them they're in Christ. Um, he's talking to believers, so... We need to be certain which side we're standing on. How can you go into battle if you don't know you're standing with the Lord? You will always be a victim in your battles until you know where you stand with God. Uh, sometimes we can know that we've been saved, 
um, but we don't act like we know we've been saved. And that's it's very important. Uh, the, Hamilton, the, the helmet protects the head and the brain, and without it, uh, nothing else can be of any use. Um, salvation is not just something to look back on or just to look forward to, but an ongoing state of mind of knowing you are God's. John 10, 28 says, And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Uh, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, the sword is the only offensive weapon we have to attack with, and it's the Word of God. Uh, this supernatural sword is able to repel Satan's advances. Um, remember to let Jesus be our example in Matthew chapter 4. When he was tempted in the wilderness three times, he just simply used scripture. He could have whipped off his sandal, he could have wiggled his little pinky toe, and he could have done whatever he wanted to in that moment with Satan. But he used scripture. He used God's word, and it says the enemy fled. So remember that. God's word is powerful. It is a sword, and we have to have it. Um, we need to always be putting it on our minds. We need to memorize Scripture as much as possible. Um, Psalms 119.11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart, Lord, so that I may not sin against you. Um, so just finishing up, there, there's two sides that your soul can be on. And God's word says you were born on the dark side. You were born on the side of of the enemy by nature a child of wrath walking with the prince of the power of this air um, Romans 5:23 says for the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus Jesus took the punishment we deserve for our sins on the cross Three days later, he rose up from the grave, conquering the sin, death, and the grave, and hell for us. By faith and faith alone, we trust in him for the forgiveness of sin, and we are made alive in Christ, and we go from dark to light. If, if you're here today, and you have never trusted in Jesus as your personal Savior, for the forgiveness of your sin, going from dark to light, made alive in Him so you can live for Him and His purposes. Don't leave here today until you've got with somebody that you trust that can lead you in the Word of God to what it means to be saved and to be His for all of eternity. Because there is a spiritual war, and it is the only war that will ever matter in your life. Um, Thank you. I appreciate y'all for being patient with me today, um, and uh, God bless y'all.